What's going on? Alex Shinsky here for the Get More Client Show with Brian Downard. Hope you are doing well today. In our second episode today, we will be talking about conversion strategies and tools for agency owners and coaches and entrepreneurs just like you. How to turn your leads into sales. Brian, what's going on, man? Not too much. I'm excited to break down some of these tips. We've been preparing for you guys. We're not just shooting from the hip. We've got some exciting things to share and a lot of things that worked uh, and not only our own business, but for our clients in 2020 and in 2021 as well. Absolutely. So if you missed episode one, you'll be able to find that on your favorite podcast provider. You also see the clips on our social media pages. Make sure you go to our free Facebook group, The Seven Figure Culture as well. We'll drop all the links below so you can find everything really easy. In the first episode, we mostly spoke about actually generating opportunities, creating leads for your business, whether it's a coaching program or a marketing agency or really whatever you might be doing out there. And today what we wanna do is take those leads and convert them into sales. And that is what we're here to discuss today. We're gonna to be breaking down four to five specific topics here. I'm gonna break them down for you at the front end. Appointment setting, qualification, positioning, and sales assets alongside tools and a couple little bonuses as well. Brian, why don't you kick us off here with appointment setting and talk a little bit about the appointment reminder sequence. Sure, so this is one thing a lot of agency owners miss and it's frankly one of the most simple things you can have in place. But once you actually set an appointment from a conversation you're having online, or maybe you called somebody, again, go back and watch episode one if you want to check out uh, some more details on how to actually generate opportunities. But once you have that opportunity, the most important next step is making sure someone actually shows up to that meeting. Now, the best way, one of the best ways to be able to do that is to have an appointment reminder sequence. So essentially what that means is once someone has either signed up on your calendar to be booked into your uh, your calendar or your schedule, or you manually schedule them, I'll talk about that little nuance in a second, you wanna have a series of automated emails and text messages, especially text messages. Emails are very easy to miss. Sometimes people don't check those all day, but you know that they're gonna have their phone near them and they're gonna get that text message. Now, really there are three emails, three texts to consider. So there's one that should go out right away. That's the confirmation. Say, hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to speak with you. Here's the day and time that we are locked in for. The next one should go out the morning of the actual meeting. So hey, just a quick reminder, we're speaking today at 2 p.m. Really looking forward to that. And then another one that'll go out somewhere between 10 to 15 minutes before the actual meeting. Now, the point of doing this is to increase your show up rates. You want to, just because you're booking calls doesn't mean people actually show up. This is a fantastic way to get people to actually see those notifications, see the text, see the emails, and show up to your meetings. Now, a couple of just nuances here. What I would include in the initial confirmation email is of course the day and time of the meeting, but also get them excited. What are you going to cover on that call? Don't just tell them I'm gonna sell you something. This is a sales call. If possible, even give that call a name. So we don't uh, have just be a sales call when we have a lead come through our pipeline. It would be the ISA game plan call to get them excited about developing what we call an infinitely scalable agency game plan. And that makes the phone call 
value focused, value based. So they are, again, more inclined to show up, get that value and not just feel like you're going to sell them something. So make sure you're getting them excited and setting the expectation for the call. But also if you have a, what we call a pre, basically a pre-sales call demo or a page on your website that can express your offer, what you do, further getting them excited about being on that call and showing up. Now, a little nuance that I mentioned here, there's a difference between actually someone scheduling on your calendar. So that might be an inbound lead. They came through an ad, they found your website or they were referred and then they book actually themselves on to your calendar. But when you were doing outbound prospecting, we talked a lot about this again in episode one, when you go to someone else, if you're just gonna drop a link to your calendar to someone you just met online, there's too much friction in that process and it really feels like to them, you, you not only need something from them, but you're forcing them to jump through some hoops. So that being said, what I would do instead is once you confirm a time with a lead or a prospect, manually schedule them yourself. So go to your calendar, put in their name, their email, their phone number, so they still get the automated emails and texts. However, you don't have to force them to go through the process of actually booking themselves. So a little bit of nuance there. And what I wanna do now is kick it over to Alex to talk about the next piece of this, which would be the no-show sequence. Alex, why don't you break that down? Great stuff, Brian. Uh, I want to add one other quick thing to the appointment reminder sequence. Brian was talking about a lot of amazing nuances there, the video, the confirmations, making sure people show up. And obviously, no matter what you do, some people won't show up. And that's why we'll talk about the no-show sequence. One thing to also consider if you want to take an additional step that is not automated, but you would have to have a VA or someone on your team, an executive assistant potentially do this for you, is having someone call the day of your actual call to confirm that they'll show up. If you do this as one additional step to ensure people show up. Now, no matter what appointment reminder sequences you use, whether you're in a coaching space or in the marketing space, you will have people no show you, not necessarily on purpose and not necessarily because you miss something, just because that's what people do. They miss things sometimes and it's all good and I wouldn't be upset about it if that happens. Let's talk about the no show sequence now. If you have someone that no-shows your appointment, there's two different areas that you can go after. The first model would of course be, hey, you missed our call, do you wanna reschedule? Now, I'm not a big fan or proponent of this model. I like to believe uh, that if someone gives you their time and they no-show you, it's not really worth your time to reschedule with them because they already took your most valuable asset, your time. That doesn't make them a bad person or anything like that. It just means that they did not have the appropriate care or concern for your time because they didn't tell you they weren't going to show up and you had to wait for them for at least probably 10 minutes for them to come to the meeting that they never had the intention to do so anyway. So if you do want to go the route of asking them to get back on a call, you'd send them a message along the lines of, hey, have, didn't get to see you on the call today that we were scheduled for at this time. Again, you'd wanna name the call. So in our scenario, it'd be the ISA game plan call like Brian was talking about prior. Or, or you would tell them, hey, missed you on the call today. Can we reschedule for tomorrow at this time? Those are really the first opportunities that you have, but I prefer going a little bit more aggressive in this model. If you know that this person is pre-qualified, meaning they came from inbound advertising and you have some qualification or understanding that they do need your potential service, I'd be making them an offer directly. And this is kind of the frame that we use. You'd message them 
in an email, in a text, however you'd get communicating with them. And you, you can also leave a voicemail, by the way, in which case you would say something along these lines like, hey, Brad, missed you on the call today. Not sure if you're still interested, but I'm looking to partner with niche person, right? So let's say doctor. I'm looking to partner with a doctor in city, let's say Atlanta. I'm looking to partner with a doctor in Atlanta to provide them ascension promise, aka the result. So again, hey, Nick, miss you on our call today. I'm not sure if you're still interested, but I'm looking for to, I'm looking, excuse me, to partner with a doctor in Atlanta to provide them 10 to 15 new patients every single month guaranteed. So for clarity, I'd expect an ROI of at minimum 15 to $25,000 and I have proof to back it up. Plus I guarantee the results. I would expect the minimum investment to be anywhere from 1500 to 3500. If you're interested in that, let me know. If not, I'll remove you from the list. This model of the direct offer in the no-show sequence does sometimes create this opportunity where people come to you already pre-qualified, already knowing what the price is, and now they just need to make a decision for themselves. Or it will save you time with people that were never going to invest with you in the first place. Now, the KPI for no-shows in general, you should be expecting ideally 75% of your people to show up, three out of every four. But even if you're having half of the people show up, it's okay, but you really have to work it to try to get to at least 75% in my opinion. And please, please, please don't just sit and wait on Zoom or Google Hangouts or whatever tool you're using for a video conference call them, text them, message them, try to get in front of them. Sometimes people miss their appointments just out of happenstance, even when you sent all the appropriate appointment reminders. Now, speaking of KPIs, right? How do you track your numbers? How do you make sure your appointment setting is done correctly? How do you make sure you can optimize your prospecting by understanding what's working and what's not? That comes down to a daily metrics tracker. And this is Brian's favorite thing to talk about. I don't know if it's actually his favorite thing, but he does like talking about it. So Brian, why don't I kick it over to you and you can talk a little bit about the daily metrics tracker. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's funny, I would say it's one of my favorite things to talk about, but not one of my favorite things to do. And I would say most of our clients would agree with that. This, it's so strange because it's such a simple daily activity you can do. It takes, I'm talking three to five minutes max, but a lot of times people just don't want to do it. They forget, they don't make it a habit. They don't have the accountability, but really the importance of tracking your numbers every day. And I'm going to tell you which numbers to track here in just a second is going to allow you to actually make decisions based on data. The biggest thing that I see and biggest mistake, frankly, that I see agency owners make when they're doing prospecting is they'll try one thing. If it doesn't really work perfectly after a couple of weeks, <clears throat> excuse me, they will just throw it out the window and they'll try something else. And what I want you to do instead is iterate. So uh, the example I always use is we're on iPhone 12. Now iPhone 12 Pro Max, whatever crazy name they have for it. It didn't start there. They started with the iPhone, then there was iPhone 2, 3, 4, 4S, whatever the progression was, but they iterated because they learned how to make it better. I want you to do that same thing for your prospecting. If you are just throwing things out the window because it doesn't work perfectly versus identifying the actual bottleneck in your process, you are significantly handicapping your ability to create an efficient prospecting system. So let me break it down. The four most important things I really want you to be tracking while you're doing prospecting are one, 
how many connection requests you're actually sending. That's very important because you want to know how many people are actually connecting back with you. Number two would be your positive reply rate. So this is very important because how many people actually said yes, they want to speak with you. Number two would be what is your show up rate? How many people who actually said yes showed up to the meeting? The fourth would be how many of those people did you actually enroll? How many became a client? Because what you can do is with various key performance indicators at each stage. And what I'll actually do is pull this up to give you these exact numbers right now so you have a ballpark idea. You want to make sure you're measuring against these KPIs. And frankly, a lot of times people will come to me, clients, people in our community and ask, are like, hey, this process is broken. I only have X amount of people showing up or Y reply rate. And frankly, their numbers are on point. It's just more a matter of volume and getting more people on the front end to come through that process. So let's break it down. In terms of a connection rate, if you are doing prospecting on LinkedIn or Facebook, you're typically gonna look in the neighborhood between 15 to 35%. And if you're hitting those numbers, it's good. It's, it's better than the average, frankly, if you're above 20%, especially as a marketer trying to get into a different industry. Now, I'm not going to dive deep into the concept of an insider versus outsider, but if you have a lot of really solid positioning, we'll actually talk about that a little bit later, and you are kind of an insider to this, the people that you are reaching out to, so you're part of their industry, your connection rate can significantly increase. One of my favorite stories is one of our clients, JJ, who works in the fitness space, owns his own gym, and he looks the part. Guy's got big muscles, shaved head, big tattoos, and... Anyone in the world who's a marketer would say, oh, gym owners aren't on LinkedIn. That's bullshit because JJ crushes it on LinkedIn and his connection rate is like 60 or 70% because of that positioning as an insider. So consider that uh, as the KPI for connection rates. Now, positive reply rates should be somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30%, uh, upwards as high as 40%, depending on your messaging. Now, again, show up rate, Alex just mentioned that, somewhere in the neighborhood between 50 to 75%. And as your close rate, it should be in the neighborhood of 25%, so one in four. Now, again, working backwards, if your connection rate is not hitting the KPI, then it's one of two problems. It's either your lead list, the people you're reaching out to, or the connection message that you're using. If your positive reply rate is low and below the KPI, it's a matter of what your actual copy is. What is the messaging? What is your positioning? Those are the bottlenecks you'd want to address. For the show up rate, if it's lower than the KPI, we already talked about some of those elements on this show, which is having an appointment reminder sequence, calling the day of, having a no-show sequence in place, making sure you're doing certain things to ensure they show up to the call. And then of course, if your close rate is below the KPI, you might need to iron up your or sharpen up your sales skills, which we're going to hint at and talk about towards the end of this episode and tease for episode number three. But really, I'm not going to be able to share my screen because we're doing uh, it this way in, in this format. But uh, anyone who's interested in seeing what this document looks like, I can attach uh, a screenshot in the show notes so you can see what it looks like. But essentially, daily basis, you need to be tracking connection requests. Uh, positive replies, meetings, and your sales, and then use that data to make informed decisions about your prospecting. This is critical, again, so you're iterating and not just throwing something out the window. So the next thing I'm gonna move on to uh, before we talk about one of my favorite appointment setting techniques 
is the prospecting in a box optimization. So prospecting in a box is our uh, IP for actually prospecting. And a lot of this, again, talked about in episode one. Please go back and check those out. Very, very valuable information there. But the idea of optimizing that process and all of the data points that I had just talked about and knowing when one is below a KPI, what to address, that is how you optimize. You need to know, is it my lead list? Is it my sequence? Is it my sales skills? Is it how I'm getting people to show up to calls? And again, without the data of the daily tracker, you're never gonna be able to make those optimizations. So I pl again, please know your data, make decisions based off data, not on emotions and feelings because that will is how you will grow and get better, all right? So Alex, let's talk about now uh, my absolute favorite appointment setting technique, something you and I torture ourselves on Facebook Live from time to time doing, but I'll kick it over to you to start it off and then we can both talk about it a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So the best optimization for your prospecting element is trying to identify how you can get a lead from interested to appointment itself, right? And the easiest way to make that connector is through picking up the phone and actually calling them. Now, in the space, there's a lot of people that have this concern or semantics about what's the difference between a cold call? What's the difference between a warm call? Should we even do calls? The reality is you have to be able to pick up the phone. If you are not investing significant financial resources into inbound advertising and expect that just LinkedIn, just cold emails, just texts, just direct mail, all these elements that we spoke about in episode one are going to create enough, as Brian said, volume to actually hit your financial goals, you're kidding yourself. Bluntly, you are kidding yourself. You have to be comfortable with picking up the phone and doing warm calling. Now, I'm gonna break down essentially what warm calling is. The easiest way to define it is a warm call is an appointment setting call to book a sales appointment. Pretty simple, easy definition. Now, if you wanna say that's a cold call, we can argue about the semantics, it's irrelevant. The reason we identify this as being a warm call as opposed to a cold call is specifically this, and I'll explain the difference right now. A cold call is you have a list of numbers, you've never reached out to them in any way, you call and make an offer. Not that there's anything wrong with doing that, plenty of people do that, there's literally agencies out there that single-handedly only do that thing, um, but we prefer this other model where you're reaching out via LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, email, text, direct mail, etc. then calling them to say, did you get my message on this profile offering this thing? That model makes the warm calling so much easier because you had a previous touch point to lean on, right? You see how I leaned on there? If you're only listening to video or only listening to your audio, I leaned in the video, so it worked. Anyways, point is, right, if you are warm calling, you're creating a digital connection and making it more personal, and that's something that we utilize in the frames. Hey, we connected on Instagram. I wanted to make our digital connection more personal. I'm looking to partner with a doctor in Atlanta to see if they can handle 10 to 15 new patients this month. If you have 10 more minutes of your time tomorrow, I'd love to show you. Now, this is also key about warm calling. Too many people misunderstand this model and then the doctor would say on the other line, okay, well, tell me all about it. I don't want you trying to do a sales call on a warm call. Now, in certain scenarios, it might be ideal to do this, but if you expect that you'd warm call and be able to make an offer and get a close, it's highly, highly unlikely. The best 
point of doing warm calling is ensuring that you're booking a sales appointment so you can pre-qualify them with the appointment reminder sequence and the video demo that we spoke about at the beginning of this live. That's the purpose of this. If you don't have them being pre-qualified and you're sharing with their information on this warm call, they're not gonna be able to make a decision there and then. Frankly, the warm call process shortens the sales cycle. It doesn't allow you to wait for people to get back to you. And this is where most people get frustrated with outbound prospecting, where you send out X amount of messages and you're only getting a small amount of replies. If you pick up the phone, it will go faster. Now, a couple rules for warm calling that will really help you. Make sure you always call two times back to back. I know you've all been called spammed before by having people call you about your car's warranty or your Amazon package that wasn't delivered or XYZ insurance that they're trying to sell you or do you need a new roof before the holiday season, whatever it is, right? You've been getting spam calls before. Do you ever notice that spam calls never call twice back to back? And hopefully I'm not inspiring any spam calls to start calling twice back to back, but the reason why people don't pick up the phone the first time from a number they don't know is to avoid a spam call. If you call them back immediately thereafter, on the second call they'll usually pick up. We call this a double tap. Call them two times. Brian mentioned earlier here that sometimes we punish ourselves doing warm calls, and I wanna talk about this for a second. Um, there's a lot of fear about warm calling, people afraid to pick up the phone looking stupid or anything like that, and we'll go through a fear audit in just a second, but I wanna talk about what Brian and I have done to try to overcome that fear for many people. What we have our clients do and people online that are in our free Facebook group, again, you can find us at Seven Figure Culture on Facebook, completely free group. We do these lives where we buy the hottest wings from Buffalo Wild Wings called Blazing Hot Wings. I think they're now like Carolina Reaper Peppers, which is absolutely terrible and they're really not good and I strongly recommend that you don't have them, but we buy them. Then we do calls for our clients on their behalf, try to book them sales appointments. If we cannot book them a sales appointment live on Facebook on a warm call, Brian or I eat this incredibly hot hot wing. The entire purpose of this is twofold. One, we want to make fun and silly and educational content. And also two, we want to showcase that there's nothing to be afraid of when you are prospecting and specifically warm calling. So I'll talk about the fear audit and then I'm going to kick it back over to Brian to talk a little bit more about this warm calling. As you can see, we're both really excited about this because this, in our opinion, is the single best outbound prospecting model for getting appointment setting uh, opportunities and booking sales calls. It's absolutely fantastic. This fear audit idea is a lot of you listening to this will probably think I'm nervous about doing warm calling. I'm nervous about getting rejected. I'm nervous about people saying like F you or uh, I don't want to talk to you or don't call me again or I'll report you. Here's the biggest thing, right? First of all, people are going to be rude regardless in anything that you do. You can get a nasty email from someone just by sending an email. So what's the difference of doing it when you pick up the phone? The reality is if you're focused on the current time frame of being worried, just think about it in a week from now. Will you really care about the call that you had that that guy told you to F off? You probably won't, right? If you get on the call and someone says no to you and you're afraid that that's gonna hurt your ego, think of it in the alternative way. If you get a no and you say, hey, is there anything I could have done better? If they don't hang up, perhaps they'll give you great feedback. Even if they do hang up, you can then test and try a new model for the next call that you do. 
Going for the no is a very common model as an entrepreneur, right? Failing forward, essentially. It's perfectly aligned for warm calling as well. The more mistakes you make, the faster you go, the more things you break, the more F-offs that you get, the more no's that you get, the faster you get closer to getting a yes is why we're so good at warm calling because we've gotten so many no's in the past. This is absolutely key. So don't be afraid of warm calling. Get excited about it. And if you need to buy yourself some insanely hot hot wings, go for it. Brian, anything else you want to add? Yeah. Uh, again, one of my favorite topics here for sure, because like you said, it just shortens that sales cycle and you're not waiting for people to get back to you. Uh, but what you said there is really powerful with this idea of getting feedback, because if you're consistently getting, no, I'm not interested, you need to be asking these people, okay, well, what does your business need? Because that feedback is going to be powerful for how you then approach people in the future and how you optimize your offer. Classic example is one of our um, clients, Kadira, works in the senior care space and did a lot of marketing. However, at, come to realize after speaking with a lot of people, working with clients, doing warm calls, most of them don't need more clients. They have plenty of clients. They need more support from nurses and more staff. So. That helped her pivot her offer to more of a recruiting offer. And again, you're not going to discover that unless you're actually putting yourself out there and talking to these people. So let me talk a couple um, about a couple more points here. One of my favorite ways to um, sort of reference the warm call or make the person you're speaking with feel that this isn't just a cold call is to reference, hey, we connected on Facebook or hey, we connected on LinkedIn or email, whatever that is, because it's a fantastic way to get, if you're talking to the right person, for them to do a little bit of a mental reset and go, oh, wait, who, who is this person? Did I speak to them? Because it will kind of bring their guard down because you're not now a stranger. You're someone who had already potentially been speaking with them. And it is a fantastic way to get past a gatekeeper because if you have the name of a doctor, a lawyer, whoever, and you can speak to a gatekeeper, like, hey, I actually connected with Bob on Facebook the other day. We talked a little bit, but I just wanted to accelerate this conversation and see if we can get something on the books. That is a powerful way to accelerate that process and get past the gatekeeper. So a couple more just kind of nuance uh, tips or hacks here. When you get a yes from someone to actually book a call, this is gonna tie back into your appointment reminder sequences, make sure to ask them, what is the best email and phone number that I can send to uh, send the appointment reminder to? Because you want to now to go manually schedule them into your calendar so they get the emails and the text. If you're just like, all right, next week, Tuesday at 2 p.m., but they don't have anything on their calendar, they don't get any reminders, chances are they're gonna forget and they're gonna end up being a no-show. So make sure when you're getting the yes, you're getting their name, uh, email, phone number to send that information to. Now, one of my favorite things to do, Alex does this really, really well. If you wanna go back in our group and watch some of our calls doing this, when you get someone uh, to say, no, they're not interested, I want to encourage you to not, unless they're just a complete jerk or they're really firm on, no, I do not need this at all. I want you to lean in a little bit. I want you when they say, no, I'm not, I'm not interested, you to turn back and say something along the lines of, okay, got it, totally understand. But let me ask you, are you in a place where you just can't take on any more clients right now and you don't want more business? And if their answer is truly like, look, they really don't want more business, they're happy with where they're at, you can't support them. But if they can, in fact, take on more clients in business, I want you to kind of layer on what we, sort, we call a confidence statement, which goes something like, look, if you just give me 10 minutes on a call later this week, I promise that this will uh, not only be valuable to you, but you'll walk away with some good information 
information. And if you don't like it, you can tell me to go to hell, but I promise this is going to be valuable because we're some of the best at, in the industry at doing this. And that really will turn a lot of people and sway them to the side of, okay, I want to see this. This person sounds confident in what they do. And again, framing it as you'll walk away with value regardless of the decision you make is a powerful way to incentivize them to get on a sales call under the frame of value, not just making them an offer. So take a couple of these nuances, for sure go back to the group and watch the uh, examples of us doing it live because it's not only hilarious, but super educational. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much what I have on warm calling. So if we want to now hop into the second portion of this episode, we can talk a little bit about uh, qualification. So very, very important. Uh, I will take this one over if that's cool with you, Alex. Absolutely. Before we do, I just want to mention also for anyone that's interested in watching us do the hot wing hotline, or we've also done the cold call shot line, which I think you could probably put two and two together to see what we replaced the hot wings with. That one's a little more sloppy, to be honest. We'll put the uh, the links for those in the call notes below. But again, it's in our free Facebook group, The Seven Figure Culture. Let's dive into qualification. Awesome. So Depending on the industry that you're in, there's going to need to be certain layers of qualification you want to have in place for the people that you're speaking with. Now, if you are in a place where you're sort of just starting out or you have a new offer or a new audience you are speaking with, I would take as many phone calls as you can. Do not worry as much about the qualification process early on because again, the conversations you will have, the practice you will have speaking to people, understanding their needs, understand the nuance and the language that they use in their industry is invaluable. You want to be uh, ingrained in that industry and speak to as many people as possible. And frankly, when you provide value to people in an industry, there is a lot of reciprocity that can come back your way, either in the form of partnering up to do some content, being interviewed, being referred. There's a lot of really powerful things you can do for a person who might not become a client. However, as you get busier, as you get more clients, some of you are, might be in, are very likely in this place already where it's like, I don't wanna just talk to people who don't have money. I need to qualify the people that I'm speaking with. There are two really valuable things you can have in place. The first is an application. So actually having someone go through an application process where you're going to ask them qualification questions. How long have you been in business? How many clients do you currently work with? How many clients do you want to work with in the next 90 days? Are you in a place to financially invest in your business for growth if the ROI makes sense? Some of these critical questions you really want to be asking, and it's gonna be a little bit different based on whatever industry you're in, but if you want to go find some good examples, I would go check out our website, prospectingondemand.com, and when you go fill out the page to go speak with someone on our team, you have to answer some questions about yourself. Now, I talked earlier on this episode about the this concept of not wanting to put in too much friction into the sales process, especially when you're going outbound and you're going to strangers. And again, if you just connected with someone on Facebook, you said, hey, we're looking to partner up with someone who can handle more roofs right now. And then you're like, great, go fill out this full-blown application. I would guesstimate maybe only 10% of people will actually do that, but there's just too much friction. So I would reserve your full-blown application for inbound leads. So this could be people who come through a Facebook funnel or they are a referral or they find your website because 
those people who are coming to you asking for your time, you do want to put those roadblocks in place, that friction there to have to make them jump through a couple of hoops before taking your time. This is especially important, again, as you grow your business and as you're starting to only want to speak with people who are actually qualified. So use a full-blown application for your inbound leads. Now, here is something that, frankly, I don't hear any other coaches or anyone else in the industry talking about and something we frankly, because I haven't seen it anywhere else, created the concept of the mini application. And this is really powerful because it will allow you to qualify someone ahead of a call without putting too much friction in the sales process. So let me explain. A mini application is best used for when you're doing outbound prospecting. So you're on LinkedIn, you're on Facebook, you're doing warm calling, whatever the case is where you're going to someone asking for their time, I want you to first confirm that there's a need for what you are actually wanting to give them. And then once you've locked in the meeting, here is now where you can turn over to the mini application. Now, there's no right or wrong answer for how to do this. You could do it, frankly, if it's on a warm call, right there on the phone. If it's through Facebook Messenger, you could just send it as a copy and pasted message. It could be even added into your appointment reminder sequence, but it goes a little bit something like this. After you've locked in the call, you can say something like, let's just assume it's in Facebook Messenger. Hey, Bob, really excited for our phone call. We're locked in for tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. In order to know how I can best support you on this call, would you mind answering a couple quick questions for me? One, who's an ideal client for you? Two, how many appointments per month do you actually set with these types of clients? Three, how many clients do you work with right now and what is your goal for the next 90 days? Now, those three questions are, again, depending on the industry, you might wanna change them up a little bit. Figure out what core information you need to qualify someone, but this is really powerful because the first question is a little bit of an icebreaker, like who's an ideal client? Two is further qualification of how many appointments do you book so you know if they're actually, if they're booking zero, that's probably a big red flag. Uh, but if they're then saying they have zero clients or then 50 clients or somewhere in the middle, you can now kind of on that scale decide, is this person qualified? Do they have the money to invest in their business? And what is their goal for the next 90 days? Do they even have the intention of growing? There's a lot of people who are kind of happy with where they're at, which there's nothing wrong with, but if they don't have the intention to grow, why are you going to spend your time with that person? So the mini application becomes a very powerful tool in your outbound prospecting arsenal that again, depending on if it's a warm call, if it's over Facebook Messenger, or you can add it to your appointment reminder sequence, you're going to ask them these questions prior to the call. And if they don't fit the qualification of a person you would want to speak with, you can politely turn the meeting down. Hey, thank you so much for answering this. It doesn't seem like we're gonna be the best fit to work together. Let me send you a couple of resources that might be able to help you. But again, if you're at the earlier stages of your journey, I would default to taking more calls than not because the practice is powerful. And you can ask and answer, I'm sorry, ask some of those mini application questions right on the front end of a phone call if they didn't answer them. Like, hey, Bob, I saw you didn't have a chance to answer those questions in Messenger. Totally fine. Let's get into those here on the front end of this call to make sure we're a good fit to potentially work together. So absolutely one of my favorites. Alex, do you have anything else you wanted to add uh, when, for uh, the application? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everything you said is really valuable. I think the only thing that I would do is also trying to get a little bit of clarity as to where they are going. So what is their goal? The idea for sales itself, which we'll talk about in just a couple minutes here, trying to make clear on what their goals are over, let's say the next 90 days to pre-frame that you want to work with them for at least three months is also really valuable in the application or mini application. Everything else Brian had noted though is already really covering this. Um, and I really think if you use an expansive model for this mini application or application, you'll be able to have better quality phone calls. Uh, but again, as Brian noted at the beginning, even if you're brand new rather, uh, I would be focusing on just getting practice and at bats, even if you know they're not qualified, learning how to actually do your sales call appropriately is really valuable. So I would consider that as well. The next thing that we have up here is the positioning angle. Now, we spoke briefly about the profile funnel last time. So I just want to recap one more time, essentially what that looks like. Okay. Very simple, very easy. You're going to have a cover photo on your Facebook page. That's going to have a call to action to either your IP, whether it's like a demo page, which we'll talk about here in just a second or it's going to be a call to action to a Facebook group or your TikTok or Instagram page or whatever it is, you have to have a link to actually bring your leads to something. The next element of the profile funnel is going to be the featured photo. The featured photo can either be nine photos. I would do nine video testimonials or one photo that's similar to the call to action at the cover photo, just one photo instead of a elongated photo. If you remember in the first episode, we spoke about the profile funnel because when you're actually creating opportunities in other people's groups and they're friending you on Facebook, you want to make sure that they have a funnel opportunity to go into your, uh, your network essentially. Last thing on the profile funnel or last two things, rather your description, which again should have a link and explanation of what you do. And then your post should be value posts mixed with testimonial. So if someone sees you post in someone else's group, they say, Oh, this is valuable. Click on your profile, see the call to action on the pro on the uh, cover photo, see your featured photo, see the testimonials, see the proof, all of that, etc. The headline, meaning what you do is very important to make sure that it's covering, Hey, we help this person achieve this result. That's the idea. The next element that I spoke about here in terms of where you'd send them is the pre demo video page. Now we had noted this demo idea at the beginning of this uh, training, basically talking about the idea of having a demo video before someone gets on a call with you. A demo video is basically breaking down your unique IP, your unique intellectual property, your unique irresistible offer. If you run uh, you know, a marketing service for attorneys, you have to have a unique method for actually doing this. What, what we will actually be able to do in the future is an episode on how to have and create a unique offer and unique positioning. But for now, whatever you end up doing in terms of your service, the biggest thing is to have a simple five minute video that explains what you do, how you help them, where you're taking them, your proof, and what you're going to cover on the call. So essentially the first thing you would do in this pre demo video is say, Hey, thanks so much for being on this page. Either that means you have a call booked with us or you're interested in speaking with us. And we're really looking forward to working with you. Just so you know, we're going to get you this result, whatever that result is, we're going to get you this result. We're going to take you there. Now on this video, I'll show you the three to four step process to doing it. So you can see that there's proof behind this, not just hoping and praying that it's going to work alongside a little bit of proof. So, you know, this call is worth your time, but again, we're going to get this result. Then you go through your process 
throughout the process you'll express again it's our burden to do this for you but i'm showing it to you in the case you want to do it yourself or you're someone that's inquisitive and want to know how we actually achieve these results here's proof one here's proof two then cta call to action if you enjoyed this i really look forward to our meeting and if we don't have a call yet booked please do so on this page on the page you would also have more proof more testimonials your roi guarantee if you have one and then a link to your calendar to book this is an immensely powerful model about having a pre-demo video or page it increases your social positioning it increases your opportunities when people get on the call to know what you already do and it makes your pre-qualification so much better now we spoke earlier in this training in this video about the importance of tracking your numbers and identifying how to optimize them how do we do lead tracking is key so you don't let them slip through the cracks brian how do we advise lead tracking and sales pipeline management let me get myself unmuted here pretend like i've done a <clears throat> live stream before uh guys this is so important i talked about tracking your data and your numbers before but there's a separate form of tracking that is equally, if not more important, and that is making sure to have, there's so many different words or phrases you could use. So some call it a CRM, so a customer relationship management tool. Some call it an opportunity pipeline. Some call it a sales tracker. Again, it's semantics, and the point is you need to have a singular place where you're going to store the names of the people who you have been in communication with, who have shown interest in your offer, and any notes on how that conversation went and where they are actually in your sales pipeline. So there's a couple of different categories. And again, this is flexible depending on the industry or agency you have and are in, but we typically like to have two different forms of leads. So a lead who has shown interest but has no call booked yet would be lead, no call booked. This would be anyone who has raised their hand metaphorically and shown interest in what you're doing. So if you are speaking to someone on Facebook or you warm called someone, and they said, yeah, sure, I'm interested in this, but you haven't actually got them to that phone call yet. Put them somewhere in a CRM, in a pipeline management tool. We'll talk about some options here for tools at the end of the episode, but a place where you can actually see them, what they said, what the date was, and now throughout the week, as you have time scheduled for follow-ups and warm calls, this is your lowest hanging fruit. I know you can go, of course, warm call people who haven't gotten back to you, who only connected with you but haven't messaged you, but the people who did message you but then went cold or fell off the earth or ghosted you, call those people and don't wait around. You have their names in this tracker, in this tool that you're using, you can reach out and call them. Now, the next stage would be lead sales call booked. And that would be, of course, someone who has a sales call booked. Next stage would be a no-show. So someone who booked the call, but no-showed. We talked about that. Very important to know who are your no-shows. So again, you have time scheduled to call them and reach out to reschedule. Next would be negotiation, where you have someone who you're in negotiation with, you're sort of going back and forward. An additional column would be deal closed or uh, deal won. And the final one would be deal lost. Now, of course, there's additional ones you could add in here. Maybe you have a funnel for just inbound leads versus outbound leads. And one of the tools we like to use, Go High Level, again, we'll give you some recommendations towards the end, you can add tags. So you can either have it as a tag of where they came from or just have a funnel stage 
for where you'll put them. But the point is, as you start doing this and building momentum, you're going to be talking to dozens, if not hundreds of people. If you keep that inside your head or written down on a little piece of paper somewhere, I can promise you, you will let deals slip through the cracks. I cannot tell you how often we have a client say, oh my gosh, this person who I just spoke with three months ago, six months ago, a year ago, now wants to pay me and move forward because they reached out. This right now being the, at the time of this recording, very early on in January, this is the perfect time to go revisit anyone who you spoke with over the past couple of months because I bet a number of them told you, hey, let's revisit this in the new year. And if you're just not remembering that or not following up, you're losing that opportunity to another agency because they swept in and they had that conversation and made them an offer. You need to keep the people you're having conversations with tracked and organized so you can have scheduled time every week to go back, follow up, and move them to the next stage of the pipeline. Now, if you visualize this sort of like a tree with low-hanging fruit, the most obvious easy ones are someone who was on a sales call and said, yes, I want to work with you. Those are the easiest ones. You need to follow up with them. Otherwise, if a month goes by and you haven't had any interaction, a lot can happen in a month. Their interest interest has probably dwindled and they're likely now not going to want to move forward. But continuing to move up that tree, it would be then no-shows or people who have a call um, who are interested but haven't booked a call. So move up that tree in the context of low-hanging fruit. Once a week, follow up with those people, make that time because the opportunities you generate over the next 30 days and frankly, the last 30 days will continue to pay you over the next 90. And it's a rolling factor. We call that 30 day rule where the leads you're generating will pay you later. But if you're not remembering who they are, they're not gonna remember you. They'll fall off the face of the earth and you'll lose opportunities. So please track your leads, not only in terms of the metrics and the numbers, but the names, notes, and stages of your sales cycle that they are in. I was really hoping, Brian, you would say that line because Brian loves that line about the prospecting you do now will pay you over the next 30, 60, and 90 days. And that's the entire purpose of this pipeline. I was like itching to get in there to be like, Brian, you got to say it. That's his line. He always brings it up. Um, and it's really valuable uh, to remember because I know everyone wants their sales cycle to be instantaneous, but the reality is the idea of the pipeline long-term management is so important. Brian also noticed something in there that's so valuable and necessary. It's the idea of not letting leads slip through the cracks. We've all been there, us included, where you had a call with someone X months ago, X weeks ago, X days ago, whether it was literally a week or six months, and you're so frustrated with yourself because you know you had this call, but you can't remember absolutely anything that was brought up because it was all in your head, and you thought that at the time you'd remember it. I'll give you a quick little anecdote on this because it's pretty funny. Brian and I, while we were doing the notes for this show just a couple days ago, I had wrote down a note in shorthand and Brian's like, what does that mean, Alex? I'm like, oh, I'll know it on the show. He's like, no, 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 no. Write it in clarity. Otherwise, when we get to the show, you'll be like, what, what was I writing there? Because at the moment, you think you're going to remember it. At the moment, you think you're going to understand or recall what actually happened. But then when you get to the live opportunity, whether it's a podcast recording or you're doing a sales call with someone in a follow-up six months later, you're like, did you do e-com or were you an attorney? Or did you want 20 clients or did you need three? And you can't remember. And it makes the entire thing that you did prior completely void. It sucks and no one wants to be there. So don't let leads through the cracks. Use the sales pipeline. There's one other note I want to share on the sales pipeline here that's really important. There's two different long-term or not long-term. There's two different nurture elements of the pipelines. 
and Brian mentioned this, but I want to make sure it's really clear to you. There's ones that you're negotiating with right now. These would be the 30 day pipeline opportunities. So people that you spoke to within the last 30 days should have their own pipeline because these are the highest intent, the ones you're working the most right now. That's what we need you to be able to do. The extra opportunity is the long-term nurture pipeline. People post 30 days should be put there. So you know, you'll work them for a long time. The idea is to make sure that you're not having one nurture pipeline over a year with 600 different contacts in there and not knowing who's the hottest, who's the coldest. When did I last speak to them? That model makes it easy. And then lastly, Brian mentioned the idea of like stale leads and what you do to reach back out to them. And here's a really valuable, simple little message that you can utilize. Here it is in three, in two, in one. Hey name, we last spoke on this date. Can you believe it was this many days ago? At the time you told me your biggest obstacle was this and your goal was this. How has the progress been? I'd love to jump on a call with you and show you our process to getting that goal if you're open to it. That model works really well because you're holding them accountable to the goals that they had. And just like we're talking about tracking in this specific portion of the podcast, most people, when they tell you what they want to achieve in a sales call, they're not tracking it. But if you track it for them, it will increase their interest in working with you and also make them realize pretty quickly, holy crap, I have made no progress towards that and I really need your help. Let's get on a call and let's talk about it. And that really makes a huge difference. So. This is what we spoke about for sales assets. The only other element that we want to talk about here today is going to be some tools and a little bit of bonus regarding sales. We're going to talk a lot more about sales in the next uh, podcast. I know a lot of you are itching for that uh, and we're really excited to share it. We're going to talk about sales psychology and the framing and all that jazz. It's going to be absolutely great. You're going to love it. We'll talk sales deck and the adult parent child model, uh, the psychoanalytic theory behind it. It's going to be great. You're going to enjoy it. The last thing we really wanted to bring up here was tools and, and how to utilize them. So the main tool that we utilize is go high level. Um, if you're an agency owner and don't know what go high level is, I'm guessing you've lived under a rock for the last year. Um, it's probably the biggest growing SaaS product in this space um, in the last I would say probably five years, probably since ClickFunnels kind of exploded initially. Um, I would I would guess that at very least, um, I, to my knowledge at least. Uh, we also use Trello. Trello is like a Kanban a board basically where you can like put in project management tools and older kind of older statesmen use Active Campaign. We still use Active Campaign uh, simply because like it, it has all of our contacts in there and um, there's not as many bugs as some other tools with Active Campaign because they've been in it for so long. Um, all of the tracking that Brian had mentioned earlier for uh, your PIAB, your prospecting in a box, um, your sales metrics, etc. All of that is in Google Sheets. For calendars, you can use Calendly, Acuity, Schedule Once, or High Level themselves have also a calendar uh, appointment. And then we use Loom as well. Loom used to be free, and then they uh, kind of sideswiped all of us, and they're like, now you gotta pay for it, uh, and it's only five minute videos. But to be honest and fair, Brian and I kind of have a funny little inside joke about Loom, because uh, our clients used to send us 17 minute Loom videos, and now they're forced to send five minute ones, so it makes it a lot better for us uh, to do this long term. But so those are some of the tools uh, did I miss anything, Brian, that we wanted to add? No, I, I always like to use the metaphor, though, that there are, when you go to the hardware store, you can buy any brand of hammer, 
wood, nails, doesn't mean you know how to build a house. It's really more how you use the tools. And I know John Davey, uh, a good friend of ours in the industry, expresses to you as well, Alex, it's not the tool, it's how you use it. So I don't care if it's GHL, if it's Active Campaign or Trello or Calendar or any of these things, but you have to understand the nuance of the strategy and the process. A lot of the things we just broke down, inject that into the tool because it's only as good as how you use it. So I think we covered a lot of really good stuff today. I am very excited for next week's episode. We're going to be getting into a lot of sales hacks, sales resources, sales assets to double, triple your close rate. We help clients do this all the time. So Alex, why don't you give them a little bit of a, a teaser for what they can expect in episode number three? It's going to be good. How is that? Did I do a good job? It's great. <laughs> Are you guys excited now? Are you thrilled? Just can't wait? Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about sales decks and positioning and how to kind of build out the most effective visual component for sales. If you remember, there's three main components to sales. I'm already getting into my flow, into my juice. Slow me down, Brian, if I go too long on this because I love it. Don't go too deep. Right? Don't go too deep. There's three elements of sales that you want to consider. The words that you say, the tone in which you say them, and of course, the visual component, meaning you're doing it just on the phone, you're already reducing your sales opportunity by 33.33333. I won't keep going. Percent. You get the idea. So I'll show you how to make an effective sales deck, both the minimum viable product and the long-term big build process that will make it really easy to close deals. We'll talk about how to get paid on the phone in the one call close format, whether it's full pay, pay in full, payment plan, or we'll talk uh, deposits as well. We'll talk about payment portals like SamCart or PayFunnels or whatever tool you use to get paid. We'll share frames about how to build out a one call close format to make it easier for you to close. And remember, no scripts, just frames. We'll talk to you about how to be conversational, how to use sales psychology to your advantage, and ultimately how to do sales as a service, not as a bad person. I was going to say a different word, um, but as a good person, as someone that's really there to truly help and support someone. I'll leave you with this. Just remember, okay, and a lot of people want to use sales and think that there's magic words to say. This isn't Harry Potter wizard land where if you say a specific spell, they're going to pull out your credit card and pay you. You can do every single thing correctly and a client still can have an objection or they still decide they don't want to work with you and that's okay. You can only focus on the actions, not the outcomes. And I'll teach you all the appropriate actions to do in sales so you can eventually get the outcome that you want, which is closed deals. And I'll plug POD just a little bit here. If you need help in sales and you want support, in Prospecting On Demand, our mentorship program, we actually audit your sales calls for you, review them, break them down, yell at you for doing a bad job, help you do it better, and then you close deals and it's a lot of fun. And then Brian will tell you to how to prospect a little bit better, just like we did today. And that is going to be for episode number three. Really hope you enjoyed episode number two. Brian, wanna play us out, anything else? Yeah, last thing I'll say is we appreciate your time. We know these episodes are a bit longer. There will be clips produced from some of the best moments here, so you'll be able to have both. Uh, I would say whatever channel you are watching this on or you prefer to watch this on, go ahead and subscribe there if you enjoyed this and share it with a friend who you know would benefit from this. There's a lot of nuance to what we talked about and it's, uh, for newer agency owners, newer coaches, it's easy to miss these things, but they can make all the difference in the world in your process. So again, thank you so much for your time. We're going to be doing a lot of these, so uh, we will see you in episode number three.